Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 470, coming to you on Monday. December 19th, we're going to look ahead to USC's big prize transfer portal commitment from Darian, Dorian Singer. Dorian, like the uh, the bad guy in the mask. Great name. Is that the name of the bad guy in the mask? Yes. Do you know the name of the bad guy in the mask? Why wouldn't I? Yeah, of course. I don't uh, know the name. No, Dorian Singer. Um, a huge get from SC uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, we're going to look forward to other transfer portal uh, news and developments, talk a little bit about early signing day coming up on Wednesday, and so much more. Open up the mailbag and all of that here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Reign of Troy. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Email address, Troy at fansite.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, Journal along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back. Uh, here on a Monday, um, future future podcast stuff to go over really quick. Uh, today is us talking sort of like our last little newsy show. Uh, we'll be back Thursday with our next episode, looking back at what happened at early signing day. Uh, next Monday will be the Cotton Bowl preview, looking ahead to the Cotton Bowl, which is two weeks from today. So a week from now will be the Cotton Bowl preview. And then next Thursday, uh, we'll sort of have a pre-Cotton Bowl mailbag thing. I don't know. We're going to make it a little fun for the last episode of the calendar year as we get one more episode in before the actual bowl game, which will be uh, Monday, January 2nd, two weeks from today, USC and Tulane. Locking horns at Jerry World in Arlington, Texas. Uh, So uh, that's what we got coming up in store. Um, looking forward to this one though, talking about Dorian Singer and all of that. So, um, you can always help us join the show, uh, here on YouTube and like the stream, be sure to subscribe to the channel and all of that helps grow the show. Uh, and then if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, give us a review five stars and you'll be like our best friend forever. And we'll even read your review on the show. Yeah. And wax poetic about it too. Yeah, that's that's usually what we plan to do. But hey, there's a lot of news to get to, so let's just get into it. Uh, USC has gotten a huge commitment uh, from Dorian Singer, the number 14 transfer prospect in the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings. Uh, that's a thing. Uh, second team, all Pac-12 wide receiver in 2022. You probably remember him. Because back at the end of October, he cooked the Trojans for seven catches, 141 yards, and three TDs uh, in SC's uh, close win down in Tucson against the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, He led the Pac-12 in receiving yards. Alicia, this is as close of a 
plug and play replacement for Jordan Addison as SC could have gotten. And it's another weapon for the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, to throw to in 2023. Yeah, the rich get richer. Uh, and uh, we do we do expect uh, Jordan Addison to head for the NFL. It would be surprising if he didn't. Mm-hmm. So this is a really big pickup for USC. Uh, going into next year, they were going to bring in a couple stud wide receivers for the recruiting class So uh, and, and return quite a few uh talented guys like Mario Williams and Kyle Ford and Brendan Rice and all of those guys were going to be coming back. So the rec- the receiver room wasn't going to be bad by any stretch, but uh, losing Jordan Addison was definitely going to leave a void there. And to bring in someone like Dorian Singer, who, I mean, just watch those highlights back. The catches he was making were spectacular. One-handed catches, getting his foot in down the sideline, the whole bet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, just not the kind of guy who tore up USC secondary because USC secondary was vulnerable to it. Mm-hmm. The kind of guy who was doing that to a lot of different teams this year, good teams, like you know, good defenses like Washington State, he tore up as well for the season high, I think. And yeah, just spectacular playmaker. So bringing him in now, if now you have competition with Mario Williams to be the number one guy, I think going into this next season, the big question was going to be, is Mario Williams now your number one guy? And he was almost it by default. Now you go in and say, okay, guys, go out and earn, earn every, every rep that you get, earn every target that you get, and we'll see who rises to the top. So Dorian Singer is definitely a guy we expect to rise to the top. Just huge, huge pickup for for USC's offense to keep chugging along as well as they were in the in 2022. Yeah, I'm going to say you don't need a number one guy. I, I don't think there is Not such in a this thing offense. in That's this fair. offense. No, I, I think that Caleb Williams is someone who absolutely wants to distribute all around, and I think the offense is designed to sort of find that balance in the distribution. Um and you're looking back at you know what Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma. Yeah, you had guys who were the the, the star players, your Westbrook, your CD Lamb, and and those guys. But it's not like there wasn't depth around those guys. Hollywood Brown, right? Like there was a whole bunch of wealth of of talent at, in the receiving core. And I think that's what you're going to see next year because there's a million dudes. This like. I feel like we, we've talked about this over the length of, of the decade that we've done this podcast about is this the, the the USC receiving core of all time? Like, could this be the deepest? Could this one be the most talented? Uh, we've talked about that in 2019 when SC had Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughns, uh, Drake London. Which, by the way, is the correct answer to that question? Probably. Probably. That like yeah. that top four is really difficult to compete against. Oh, and as, as Mike in the chat pointed out, Garrett Bryant Jr. is also coming back. Yeah. Like, n- next year, just, just just off the top of my head, these are the guys uh, SC has to, to throw to. So, um, you're, you're, you're number one and number two uh, in any order, Singer and, and Mario Williams. Uh, your number three, probably the best number three receiver in the country, Taj Washington. Certainly the most underrated. Yeah. And, and again, I don't think these numbers matter because you're going to find Taj Washington's going to lead SC in receiving probably a good third of the games anyways. Uh, and then you got Kyle Ford. You got Gary Bryant Jr. You got Michael Jackson the third. You expect to have, you know, take a, take a step forward. Uh, you still got... 
uh, two incoming five-star commitments from Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon. Where are you going to put them? Like yeah. the, the you got Kyron Hudson. The, there's there's so many guys, and I'm probably forgetting like three of them off the top of my head right now. Brendan oh, Rice, Brendan Rice, yeah, yeah, Karen like Hudson, C.J. Williams. How are you going to get the ball to all of these dudes? It is the the perfect problem to have, a hundred percent. I just don't be surprised if uh, if somebody ends up in the portal or someone ends up with some discontent, something. Um, because there's, there's there's a lot of guys there, um, and we're going to see what happens in spring ball and, and how it goes in the fall. But the best thing for SC is that when you get to fall camp, there is going to be a receiving core that is going to be insanely deep. Yeah. Um, and outside of maybe Ohio State, I don't know who can, you know, even sniff Compete. that kind of depth. Yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, Roman Murdy in the chat, points out you know many receivers is a good problem absolutely especially with this offense where Caleb is willing to spread the ball around he doesn't necessarily fixate on one receiver all the time yeah and what we what we saw this past year was different receivers having like their quarter mm-hmm. <laughs> at a time you know Kyle Ford always had the two big catches that he needed to have Taj Washington was the king of this just like it's the Taj Washington show for a couple drives and right. then, you know, th- then it's Mario Williams getting a say or Jordan Addison getting a say. So that is a, a th- one of the other things that I think is underrated here is USC this past year had to deal with injuries to the top of its receiving core. Jordan Addison um, was limited by injury for a, a nice chunk of the season. Mario Williams was limited by injury for a nice chunk of the season. And USC was able to survive that because of the depth that they that they have here. And that depth is only getting better. The only question left is, does that depth backfire in a way of, uh, of of guys getting through spring camp and then deciding to leave? But yeah. even if that happens at this point, if you are Lincoln Riley, you snap your fingers and the next guy comes. Like if mm-hmm. if if uh, you know one of the sort of third tier guys in this uh, in this receiving core, uh, someone like Kyron Hudson, who I really like, like Michael Jackson the third, who I really like, like those guys who you you really like, but there's only so many touches to go around for them. Um, if they want to leave, then there will be no shortage of receivers out there who will say, Oh, I, you mean go get to play for the Heisman winner, go get to play in Lincoln Riley's system, yeah. sign me up. So that's the advantage that USC has at wide receiver. Now, if only they had that advantage, you know, on the offensive line or something, then, uh, then I would have fewer things to worry about with this team, but at wide receiver, you can't go wrong. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, this is the one of the, the things you want to do with the transfer portal in general. It's just when you are a, not only a major brand like SC, but when you are coming off of uh, almost winning the, the, the conference and being the number one team in the regular season in the conference and, and trying to be this, this bully in the conference for one more year before SC moves to the Big Ten, of course, um, you want to be the, the guy that goes and just pillages all the the good players from the good teams. I mean, from the the teams that maybe can't just continue to keep all their talent. And Well, and now you don't have to worry about Dorian Singer going against you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Or uh, Christian Roland Wade. uh, Sorry, Christian Roland Wallace, which I feel like is a a 
There's a lot of names going on in that. It's name. a lot of Christian Roland Wallace. Yeah. Vaguely a tongue twister. Yeah. USC's new corner. Also from Arizona, 37 starts at Arizona, 169 career tackles, 18 pass breakups, and a couple of picks. Uh, he comes in having played four seasons at Arizona, one of those being the free COVID year. Uh, so that gives him one year of eligibility left. He has not redshirted. So officially two years to play one, um, but this is going to be a one and done kind of thing you would ex- you would expect um, from Roland Wallace, another guy who tries to be next year's Makai Blackman for SC, right? Yeah, I, I mean, if if he was that guy, then USC just hit the jackpot. I don't know if I would go that far when you look but at... Uh, I, I'm just thinking in terms of like, uh, you know... Uh, oh, uh, the plug-and-play veteran who has yeah. a million... I mean, this, this dude has, um, you know, has, has started 35... 35 games in his career 37 uh pretty much every game uh that uh, since he was a freshman pretty much every game that he could play he was starting for arizona um i want to give a shout out to shotgun spratling who pointed out what i think is the the sort of key to evaluating this addition for usc um roland wallace was targeted 62 times he gave up 34 catches 378 yards and three touchdowns this season giving up three touchdowns in a season is not terrible um, according to Pro Football Focus, the only defensive back this season with a lower completion percentage against was Makai Blackman at 49.2%. So, there you go. Uh, well, actually, 49.2% was, was Christian Roland Wallace. So that goes to show that um, that this guy, uh, you know, there was a conversation in the chat from uh, your fave five head. I don't know how to say that in a, you know, in a, we'll go with your fave. Um, <laughs> who was saying, you know, adding another wide receiver doesn't doesn't help the de- doesn't fix the defense. No, certainly it doesn't fix the defense. There's no question about that. That's why USC is focusing much of their transfer portal attention on defensive guys. But when you add a guy like this, you take pressure off of your offense. You take him away from another from a conference rival who now you don't have to deal with him putting up 140 yards on you. Um, in terms of Dorian Singer, when you add somebody like Christian Roland Wallace from from Arizona, um, which has not been one of the better defensive uh, defensive uh, teams in the conference, but he's a guy who has a ton of playing experience, who was doing a decent job in a bad defense. Um, Keon yeah. Bars is the same thing. So when your fave says uh, USC trying to fix their defense with players from bad Pac-12 teams confuses me, they're either striking out or settling. Well, when it comes down to it, there aren't that many great um, defensive players in the portal. We will keep saying this. It's harder to find guys in the portal on defense than it is on offense um, because the translation is just quicker on offense. But also, if you're going to get a rival Pac-12 corner to replace the rival Pac-12 corner that you got last time around, then the dude who has 30-plus games of, of playing experience, the dude who you know, take pro pro football focus or leave them who still was putting up numbers that compare to the other cornerbacks that USC already had. Like at worst, you're getting a depth piece at best you're upgrading. So yeah, keep rolling. Yeah. Keep rolling Wallace. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, we're going to see what the the law firm of Christian Roland Wallace (laughs) is able to do uh, in USC's defensive backfield. Uh, another guy who could, you know, slot in there 
Um, and we talked about the plug and play for Dorian Singer. Uh, Roland Wallace could be that guy from a Clyde Blackman. Um, but of course, SC has dudes at, at you know the cornerback position still. Um, Return Sierra Wright and Damani Jackson. Sierra Wright is back, and Damani Jackson's, Jackson's the guy that you expected have the big step forward, the five star out of modern day from last season. Uh, last recruiting class. Um, I think it's also flying under the radar a little bit that USC low-key had some injury issues at corner this year. Um, Josh Jackson didn't play all year. That was because of injury. Um, There were a couple sort of uh, depth guys who could have made the climb up uh, who also were were sort of missing. So the cornerback group, you really just need... I would approach the cornerback group like a like a uh, a sort of like shotgun, like with corners and receivers. Just get as many of them as you can, and then see who fits. Like like shotgun the weapon or shotgun the the person. Shotgun the weapon. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, what what is it called? Like a blunderbuss or something like that, where you just like have a lot of ammunition a in there. Blunderbuss. Yeah. Blunderbuss. It's like a big shotgun, like old school sort of weapon. That's like. It, 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 Speaking of the mask, you go with a Tommy gun. I mean, the whole point of those kinds of weapons is you don't have to aim them because they're just like. I'm pretty sure you still have to aim. I mean, you have to aim in the general direction, but you See, don't have to be accurate. You this, can just. This is why we don't have an, a, an artillery podcast. No, we do not. <laughs> my my knowledge of blunderbusses come from like video games that I've played that have them as a weapon. So. I hear blunderbuss and I'm picturing like literally a bus that, you know, that four wheels potentially more I than that. I could be even drives. saying it wrong. I don't even know. Sure. All right. <laughs> Other transfer portal updates. Uh, USC uh, starting wide, uh, starting linebacker uh, railing go forth is moved on to Mont Lake up in Seattle to be a Washington Husky. Yeah, um, that's that's good for him. Um, USC will end up playing him in theory if he's uh, if he carves out a role for him up at Washington. Yep, it'll be very interesting. I think that that's going to be one of the things. USC doesn't have a ton of guys on. You know, USC doesn't have like starters on defense that are leaving. But it will be interesting to track someone like Raylan Goforth because here's the thing: if you leave USC as a starter at linebacker. And you do okay at Washington, and your replacements don't do well, or USC doesn't improve their defense, then there's going to be a microscope over whether or not USC was coaching those guys up well enough. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a talent issue. Maybe, maybe it really was a not getting the best out of players. So mm-hmm. I will be following Raylan Goforth rather closely, in fact, um, because I think he's going to be a, a little bit of a a measuring stick for USC's defense in a weird sort of comparison kind of way. That's not, that's imperfect because obviously defensive schemes are different defensive. uh, You know, what happens is different. The people around you is different, all that kind of stuff, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Really go forth might be gone, but one of the guys staying um, to transfer, I mean, to, for us to move over to uh, guys, new updates about who's staying and who's going and whatnot is that, that transition Lee. didn't work super yeah, well it worked in my head and i totally <laughs> botched fumbled it um is uh chain lee staying at, at usc for 2023 he announced that last week when he was talking to the media after practice um that that's big for usc and that that's another linebacker that you need considering that linebacker has been an issue where it's the interesting thing for, for sc is that the linebacker core 
we talked about before has needs an overhaul. Um, and the combination of Shane Lee and uh, Raylan Goforth did not work when, when uh, Eric Gentry was out. Um, does Eric Gentry need to be moved to a dis- different position? We've talked, we've, you know, thought might be a thing. Um, Shane Lee still needs to take another step forward, particularly in things like coverage. So him coming back another year for development there, another year to get his mojo back from uh, his time at, you know, Alabama and being playing a couple of years off. I, I think having another season to under his belt will, will help him going into next year. Also Shane Lee, like I, I speak about him, like he struggled and, he didn't struggle the entire year. He made a lot of plays. Um, it was just a matter of consistency. Like you got to mm-hmm. find consistency with a lot of guys on defense, guys who showed out and then, um, you know, had their struggles. Um, but Shane Lee is going to be one of those guys back at linebacker. Yeah, I think this is a big, uh, a big um, keep for USC. Number one, he's a big vocal leader in the locker room, a veteran. You like seeing that. Number two, he is. Uh, for all of his faults in past in past defense, like he is by far the most reliable player on the field USC has at that position for stopping the run. Um, I was watching some like Notre Dame highlights, and that's probably his best game. That was probably his best game, certainly in in run defense, because you know he he brings that sort of a presence in that game in in a way that you certainly don't get from Eric Gentry because he's a stick and needs to put on like. 20 pounds um and and you weren't necessarily getting from from Raylan Goforth and the other guys um and to Asibi Nomura and and the rest so I think Shane Lee coming back is huge he can spend his offseason working on the pass protection I know sorry in the past defense kind of stuff he'll also be more healthy because he had he did have that broken hand or wrist or whatever it was that he suffered early in the season so I I think bringing him back is a big plus you need to add people around him so that if he isn't playing at a high level then you can replace him with some somebody and that's really like my issue with the performance of the linebackers this past season the issue was that when guys struggled there was literally no one to replace them with apparently because the guys who were not playing were just flat out never playing so yeah, I'd take him. I, I, I'm happy to have him back, and we'll see what he can do in, in year two. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that'll be another guy on defense to watch. And remember, outside of the triumvirate of uh, Tui Pelotu, Makai Blackman, and Kalen Bullock, he was the only other guy to get sort of mentioned in the all-conference list. He was an uh, honorable mention, um, So, which means he got a vote from somebody, at yeah. least eight votes, if not multiple votes, well, from from – other Pac-12 coaches. Like I said, he had his moments. As Malcolm in the chat says, he's not going to get faster or more athletic. Absolutely. Absolutely not. You need to continue to upgrade around him. But if you're not going to get worse than Shane Lee, then I think you're in a pretty decent start, yeah. decent spot going into sort of rebuilding that 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 group. I, I think it also helps going into next year knowing that he's, he's not going to be your star Butkus winner um, and just know that like – he, but he's absolutely a guy that you want in your rotation, hundred percent. Yeah, and and um and with his experience, I think that all matters. Um, you know, it goes back to the uh, Gerard Martinez brick and mortar theory over at usfootball.com. Yes. Um, he's a key piece to the mortar. Yes, and um, 
And you need those mortar guys. And to be honest, USC wasn't really going to have those yeah. with Raylan Goforth leaving if Shane Lee left for the NFL or for whatever yeah. comes next. Um, but when it comes down to it, like this is why USC is targeting guys in the transfer portal. This is why like it looks important that USC had Mason Cobb from Oklahoma State visit over the weekend. Like there are there are additions that need to come in addition to. But keeping keeping Shane Lee is a plus when it comes down to it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mentioned Tuli uh, Tupelotu and what's going to go down with him uh, is that he's playing in the bowl. He's playing in the Cotton Bowl. Big for SC. We'll see what happens uh, beyond that because there's still no decision. Uh, and that's sort of going to be the case for a lot of these guys. Austin Jones is practicing with the Trojans right now, but no decision on the NFL. Uh, same thing with Jordan Addison, the 2021 Blitnikoff winner uh, and USC's leading receiver. No word on him uh, for the bowl game or the NFL. Um, Justin Dietrich is playing center in the bowl game, of course, because Brett Nealon uh, injured his, uh, his, his foot uh, and no decision on him beyond that. Uh, he told reporters he doesn't know what, where he's going to play next year. I read that as in what position he's going to play next year, not like where he's going to play as in like, you know, leaving or anything like that. But that was, that was the quote. Yeah. uh, It sounded like the reporter certainly took it as he hadn't made an NFL decision, but uh, I also saw the thing about whether or not where, like where he would play on the line. Um so we'll see on him, but it'll be good for him to, to get that. Uh, se- I mean, if you're going to lose your starting center, a Remington Award finalist uh, to a season-ending injury, then getting to replace him with Justin Dietrich is, is, is not the worst thing in the world. You can sort of work with Justin Dietrich at center, um, given the way that he's been playing at guard. So we'll see how he does against Tulane. Yeah. It's interesting to me that we haven't had any opt-outs for the bowl game, which I think is a testament to... Caleb Williams. Oh, but that one thing I didn't add into the rundown, Caleb Williams continues to insist that he will be good to go to play in that bowl game. I continue to be skeptical, um, but if Caleb wants yeah. to do it, then, you know, Caleb's, but if Caleb's fighting to be able to play in that game, it makes it a lot easier for guys like Tuli Tupelo to uh, Austin Jones, Jordan Addison, who we, we don't know any of those are definitely playing, but they have not said that they are not playing. I think it goes a long way towards towards convincing guys to to not opt out. You see that with Alabama as well. Bryce Young and Will Anderson are both going to play in a game that everyone thought that they would opt out of. So it's nice to see that USC has guys who are um, competitive enough to want to go out there and, and go to battle with with Caleb and the rest of those guys. So we'll see. Um, it doesn't sound like Andrew Voorhees is going to uh, play, though because he is injured and or going to the NFL. So, yeah, we, uh, we'll, we'll see how all that comes to be uh, a week from now when we have our uh, preview of the cotton bowl, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes down because I sort of envisioned this cotton bowl in which SC was going to go and have a bunch of opt outs and the whole bit and have not been overly optimistic about SC's chances in the cotton bowl because of that, especially given the injury to uh, Caleb Williams, Brett Nealon and all those guys. Like I, I, in my, my bowl confidence picks, I, I don't have that 
that bowl game high on the confidence picks. Uh, we're going to talk about the preview, of course, next week. But if those guys are, are all going to play, uh, that certainly changes things and makes SC's uh, outlook against Tulane looks significantly better because yeah. uh, on a neutral field uh, at full strength, you would imagine that SC probably like a two-touchdown favorite over the, uh, the green wave. So uh, other transfer portal stuff to go, to go back to really quick. Um, Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine committed to ASU. So you'll see, we'll see him again. Yes. Um, we'll see if he throws for 300 yards at the Coliseum again next year. Sorry. Uh, that you'll be in Tempe next year. Is it in Tempe? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Coastal Carolina defensive end, Josiah Stewart, who we had talked about last week, uh, as a potential target for SC, uh, he's going to Michigan and, I got to say, Michigan is absolutely like raking um, in the the transfer portal stuff. Uh, They get Josiah Stewart. uh, They get Stanford offensive lineman Miles Hilton Hinton, uh, and Drake Nugent. And uh, there's a couple other big guys on the transfer portal list I was looking at earlier that Michigan has gotten from around the country. Um, Look at the Wolverines. Look what happens when you make the playoffs two straight years. I mean, yeah, yes, that's that's the correct answer. But Michigan is doing what I, what I think a lot of people wish that USC would be doing um, in the trenches recruiting the, the transfer portal. They yeah. got uh, Ladarius Henderson from, uh, from Arizona State, who's going to come to Michigan as well on the offensive line, uh, the two Stanford offensive linemen. So, yeah, they're they're definitely pulling in. USC needs to get that reputation to the point where they can start pulling in those guys too. Yeah. They got Ladarius Henderson from, from ASU. Uh, They got uh, Ernest Hausman, who's the number two transfer portal ranky uh, according to 24 seven sports. So yeah, good on Harbaugh for uh, doing what he needs to do there. Um, Early signing day is coming up on uh wednesday and here is our yearly here's our very sad trombone coverage of the worst thing that college football has done to college football fans since i i know we we say it all the time but there's nothing worse than early signing day because a it got moved i mean it was created to solve a problem that it is not solving um and it has simply become real signing day and which has essentially killed off the whole celebration that was signing day where every every february the first wednesday in february was the biggest holiday for college football fans and now signing day is on like a wednesday when you've got to leave work early so you can go buy your grandma a candle for Macy's. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm worried about this candle and not, you know, four-star edge rusher Braylon Shelby's, you know, letter of intent. But alas, here we are. Yep. (laughs) Early signing day. Um, By by the way, question for the chats. And um, here's a, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, send us an email or something or tweet us. I don't know. Anything. Are you? Because I have found like the last two years that the transfer portal is significantly more compelling um, as something to talk about 
but also to like just in general than normal high school recruiting. Is that just me? Uh, not like, for me. Well, well like, we give people the chance to to reply. For me, it's, I'm absolutely more interested in the transfer portal guys. Part of it too is because is it because we we've seen some of those guys before, and there's like this, you know, hot stoviness. There's a, there's a it? hot stove in it. Like you watch Dorian Singer do that to USC. Like you've seen some of these guys. You you want to see them uh, come to USC. Also, it just feels like with a couple exceptions, half of the guys that USC has signed. Like it's well, okay. It's, it's, it's I'm not taking it away for anything from any of them. Yeah. But like they could also end up in the portal like in a year or two, and then we're gonna be right. thinking of like the guys that USC doesn't sign like Keonta good uh Keonta Godwin the uh, or Goodwin the uh the offensive lineman that we were sort of looking at last year as a is USC going to get this big offensive lineman but he goes to Kentucky instead he's in the portal now so it's like well now you get another stab at him in the portal like it just feels like the recruiting class is tenuous commitment like it's like they took the soft verbal commit and just sort of did a tone shift from you got your verbal commit to your locked in signing sort of signing, but that locked in signing yeah. now feels like the verbal commit because yeah, it just means you're going to theoretically be at USC in 2023, but doesn't guarantee you're going to be there any longer. Yeah. Then the, the chat here on YouTube is, is agreeing with that. Tim says transfer portal, definitely more exciting. Um, Kenny says, I'm with you. Chris says, yes, loving the, the transfer portal action after NIL seemed to be more exciting after that became real. Uh, West Texas Mike, love the transfer portal. Uh, your fave says, signing day stopped being interesting when Crystal Balls came out at Insiders Spoiled Announcements. You can see that. Ramamurdi transfer portal, you know what you're getting. Yeah, I, 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 th- this, I think that's the sentiment, right? Like, but at the same time, the sad part about this is as much as the transfer portal, uh, I guess the great irony is like, you know, you can't win a, you, I was going to say you can't win a championship on the transfer, but you can. You can. I mean, <laughs> literally you can look at all the guys who, all the like at the quarter, the high end levels, I mean, the quarterbacks, right? See when LSU. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is the vast majority of your players are still coming from the high school ranks. Yes. That is still the bread and butter. That is still the bloodline of college football. That is still like the foundation of everything. And I feel like the transfer portal stuff, even though it is extremely important, especially at the high end positions, when you look at quarterbacks and, and all of that, and I'm not saying that it's not exciting or any, it doesn't have merit because surely it does. We talked about Dorian Singer for a solid 10 minutes, all of that. And it's like recruiting just high school players is so important. And, and coaches will probably tell you it's like so important too. Like, and I feel like it just gives ne- not nearly the same amount of buzz and coverage anymore. And I know that, you know, the guys over at, 24 seven sports are working their ass off. So it's not like they're not doing their job. It's just like, it doesn't have the same buzz anymore. Yeah. He, uh, we're also not like, we're also, well, we are the target audience, but we're not necessarily, we've never really been recruit Nicks. 
So there are right, like, but there, there was a time where we knew every single that com- is, that like is commitment and could like well, but this rattle is, off where they were from and all that stuff. Now and now I look why, at it and I'm like, I have no idea who Malachi Crawford is. But to me, that's less to do with the transfer portal and more to do with the early signing signing period because we don't have time. The season What's just the ended. Combination? The season ended two weeks ago. We barely just finished up our "Hey, the season's over" episodes. Um, we we sort of have moved on to bowl discussions. We should spend all of December talking about the bowl game. Instead, we're yeah. we're talking about this where there was a lead up, and I, I was talking to somebody on Twitter about this, like about how much I hate the early signing day. As a relative casual recruit, Nick, like as someone who will pay attention. Uh, when there isn't sort of the other stuff going on, it it it's it was nice to have the January lead up. There was a building momentum, so you could spend all of January learning names, understanding the importance of these players, getting invested in whether or not they were going to come to USC, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, now in order to do that, you have to be doing that during the season. I don't got time for that. Right. As well, uh, as you know, as Malcolm thing? in the chat said, like you know. Why listen to sort of recruiting stuff? You care about the guys when they get there. And it's like, yeah, I think it's, I think to me, that's always been the case. But like in January, when you don't have football, when you're feeling the absence of football, then yeah, you start to pay attention. Like, oh, this three star guy, there's like a lot of buzz about how he's way better than that star ranking. Or like this five star guy is like being pursued by everyone. Or like, did, um, did, uh, um, uh, so-and-so like take a picture from somewhere are they in la like all of that kind of stuff did someone see uh the Elon see somebody... stuff was yeah Elon wild. marshall at the, yeah. yeah he's like is he is he taking an official visit to ucla or something like that and then there's like the the stuff with um i'm blanking on names at the moment which is why i'm i'm not but the word that we're one of the message board people just saw some do so someone at the airport decked out in oregon gear and it was like that stuff happened, and it was just like this is the craziness that that gets Are you. Are talking about the Anthony Thomas? The Anthony Thomas, yeah. yes. And so, like, those were the things that you built up towards in January. We don't get that in January anymore, so we don't learn the name. Like, you know, what the other we don't thing- get invested in any of these guys anymore because there's not time to do it unless you're I, following recruiting in April, which I you blame know, the summer. Well, I, summer does because, that too. because. When and maybe this was just I, you know, got involved in, um, in you know, uh, working for you know, Rena Troy and all that stuff at, at the time that you know we started doing this and all this is when the the opening was a big thing and it was on TV, yeah, and you would watch on ESPNU, um, all the, the stuff in the opening, and so you would know all the guys before the season. Be- and then they would show like the, the 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 seven on games on ESPNU, and I remember watching the the like 2013 class, the one that you know epically imploded for SC. But like you'd spend the entire summer, or not the entire summer, like a solid week or so in July, you know, watching Max Brown, you know, throw to these to these other guys, and like, are they going to get anyone? Um, at, um, at, at signing day, like what's, what's going to happen with, uh, Oh, there's, there's Jalen Ramsey and there's, Oh, there's so-and-so. And, and, and you, you know, learn- the, the two years later is there's Port Augustine and you're seeing what Port Augustine does at the opening and all this. And so you knew the guys before the season, you learn their names. And then during the season, everyone kind of pauses their recruiting and then it ramps back up in January. And you know so much about these guys by the time you get to signing day. 
and like yeah now the opening has been absolutely like neutered and i don't even does it still exist anymore well like, now there's like a mil- million different camps and a million different well, there's always been like rising and stars and all that stuff but like they, yeah. they're not on tv which i don't i don't mind that kind of stuff but like i just i, I want I want the time. This is the brilliance of the NFL. The brilliance of the NFL is that every month of the year, there is something going on with the NFL. There is some thing that can draw your eye to what the league is doing. Right. And my issue with college football is like, they ha- had they that. owned February after the, like relative right. to like the Super Bowl, but like they, they owned it. They owned it and it was a huge deal. And it was the thing that occupied minds. And now they have neutered it. What they could do, should do, is have the early signing period in the summer, mm-hmm. in August or June. Yeah. And then have the signing period in February or something akin to that. Yeah. And, and where, where the only out to your LOI is... Is a coach moving. Is a, is a coach moving. Yeah. 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 Anyways, I... I we, we can only complain for so much. Yeah. Uh, signing day, of course, coming up to you on Wednesday. So we're going to run down... Uh, the commitments uh, for the Trojans right now, uh, as it stands over on 24-7 Sports. Uh, the Trojans have 20 commitments headlined by uh, Malachi Nelson uh, over at Los Alamitos and Makai Lemon, the two five stars, along with uh, Zach Branch um, from uh, Bishop Gorman. Uh, five stars, two receivers, and a quarterback there. Uh, that's, Braylon- your, that's your next generation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Malachi Nelson is someone. Malachi Nelson is someone who you would uh, imagine would replace uh, Caleb Williams, even mm-hmm. though Miller Moss probably will have something to say with that too. Um, Braylon Shelby, the edge rusher uh, out of Friendswood, Texas, great name, Friendswood, great name for a city. Uh, Tackett Curtis, probably uh, outside of Malachi Nelson, is Tackett Curtis the most look forward to recruits? Certainly uh, the most high commitments. Yes, he's been. I mean, he's the 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 recruit that you just heard about all fall. Yeah. About how much he was uh, tearing it up in in high school. He was the player of the year in a million different places, um, and uh, just looks like a gamer. So very exciting to see you seeing him compared to like Matt Grudegood and 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 mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like USC really needs him to come in and and be really good because. Uh, He's at the position that USC desperately needs an, an instant impact star. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Joyner is a running back, four-star running back out of uh, Manor, Texas. He committed back in April. Elijah Page from Pinnacle uh, in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, he committed in October. Uh, there's Malachi. Uh, what, what was that? Offensive tackle. What did I say? You didn't say it. You didn't. You didn't oh. give a position. Yeah, he's an offensive tackle. It, it it adds layers to <laughs> big position of need. USC got a four star. So yeah, Malachi Crawford out of Pacifica in, in Oxnard is a four star corner. Um, Marion uh, Peterson, uh, four star running back out of Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, there's Jacoby Lane, wide rec- four star wide receiver uh, at a Red Mountain High in Mesa, Arizona. Committed to the Trojans back in August. Currently be, being pursued by Oregon and Texas, uh, with the Ducks at, being the uh, crystal ball favorites. So, uh, yeah. looks like a flip opportunity there for uh, the Ducks. Yeah, he's going to be one of the guys to watch on Wednesday to see where he signs. Yeah, and then the uh, the rest of the class, all at the three star level. You got uh, safety Christian Pierce, 
uh, inside outside, uh, sorry, inside offensive lineman Amos Talalele, uh, edge rusher David Peavy, defensive lineman Sam Green, uh, offensive lineman Micah Benuelos, uh, offensive lineman Alani Noah, uh, athlete Kate Eldridge, offensive tackle Tobias Raymond, uh, defensive lineman Dejan Lafitte. Uh, and defensive lineman and the newest commitments for the Trojans, Elijah Hughes, a three-star linebacker, uh, sorry, defensive lineman that committed uh, just over the weekend. Uh, he is not rated in the 24-7 sports uh, rankings, and he's a three-star composite guy, uh, the 31st rank, 34th ranked uh, commitment in the Virginia state rankings. Yeah, if you want to ask uh, where's the beef, the beef is in there. The beef is in the the group of three stars that USC is going to try and try and hit on some diamonds in the rough here. Um, you got to like what you see from guys like uh, Michael Bonuelos and and a few of those other three star guys. If USC can hit on even just two of the four offensive linemen that they that they have in this class, um, you'll feel pretty good. You'll feel pretty good about that. So it's going to be about whether or not USC evaluated well whether or not USC can develop these guys well and how long it takes for them to move into um, move into a role. So we'll see on those guys. But uh, and defensive linemen, same thing, uh, Lafitte and, and Hughes. If you can get go, get those guys going, if you can prove that you evaluated well, if, if, uh, if Sean Nua can, can do some work, you'll be feeling good. But you are dealing with three stars who – Remember, don't devalue a three-star. Just understand that three-stars hit less often. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and that comes down to Wednesday. We'll see how everything comes to be there, um, which leads us into a a couple of guys who are undecided, uncommitted. Uh, Defensive lineman, um, Mateo, you can say it better. Uyangalele. There you go. Got it. Brother of DJ Uyangalele. Yeah, from... um, uh, DJ went to to Bosco. Uh, where's where's Mateo at now? I thought he was at Bosco. Bosco. He's still at Bosco. Am I am I was not prepared for the question. I yeah. thought he was at Bosco. Yeah, I usually write these things down. This tells you how prepared we are. Um, <laughs> yeah, cur- St. John Bosco confirmed. Yeah, currently down to USC, Ohio State, and Oregon. Uh, look for the decision coming up on uh, on Wednesday for that one. Um. He's absolutely someone you you want uh, a big bodied lineman uh, who can you know get out of there and highly ranked all that. Yeah, the big question is, can you beat Ohio State? You beat Oregon. Uh, it seems like Ohio State's the team to beat. Yeah, and uh, other guys to watch: uh, tight end Walker Lyons, uh, former Stanford commit, uh, probably a guy who might wait until February, um, as well as uh, Deuce Robinson probably another February guy. So yeah, uh, Mateo's the one to watch on Wednesday, along with Jacoby Lane. Yeah. Uh, and then for you all your know. recruiting uh, stuff, go, go follow our friends over at uscfootball.com. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the experts. We're just the, the armchairs. Like, I hope we get that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, let's, let's get into the mailbag. We, we've, we've, we've got a long time. Uh, head over to the mailbag. And uh, if you're joining us here on YouTube, uh, fill it up. Ask your questions. Put the word question over at the beginning. Helps us uh, find the questions and sort them out.
Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You've got mail. Let's do this. Cameron says, what are your chances uh, with four, do you think, from uh, Oklahoma State as a transfer portal guy? Um, it, it's so hard to say with the transfer portal guys. It, it's all very quick that, that happens. Um, it, it's even more difficult than trying to predict the, the actual recruits. But he's at a position that you want. Ed Rusher at Oklahoma State, Very uh, he had been productive in 2020, uh, 2020 before he missed, sorry, uh, in 2022, uh, before he missed the, the um, one season with injury. So we'll see. USC already has Jamil Muhammad committed at that sort of position. They continue to pursue guys like Josiah Stewart and uh, and and guys like Desan McCullough, who is um, committed to Oklahoma now. Stewart obviously committed to Michigan, like we talked about earlier. So it's clear that USC wants to build up that position. They were light at at the edge rusher. We know this because they converted uh, Julian uh, Julian Simon there, even though that never made any sense to me. So 
that one is going to be something where if they're pursuing him, you got to hope that they can lock that in. But uh, also, transfer guys have a lot of different reasons to end up where they end up. Yeah. Now, the ideal here, the ideal here is that Trace Ford and Mason Cobb become a package deal where you get sort of both Oklahoma State guys the way that you got like the three Arizona guys uh, just sort of pile up on the on them because yeah that those would be I like so Trace upgrades. Ford as a name Trace Ford's a good name remember Lonnie Ford yeah that was pre Alicia time I don't remember Lonnie Ford yeah former uh, believe he was uh, LA Avenger yeah way back in the day no um <laughs> The more you know. Uh, other other question. Let's go from uh, to West Texas Mike in all caps. When is SC going to spend some money and get some defensive players in here? I don't know. I mean, we're the SC's trying. SC's certainly trying. Christian Roland Wallace uh, is one of those guys coming in from Arizona. We'll see what happens uh, with uh, with Mateo. There was uh, knowing how that's gone and how you know. Big Dave, not shy uh, from tweeting things about how NIL is the most important thing. So, yeah, you know, um, Big Dave can have his opinions. Um, certainly, with he his certainly kids. has a few. It's certainly with his kids, and and if he, if he wants his kids to be making making money out of NIL, then more power to him. I believe in NIL, and I believe in paying these kids. Um, there was some talk last week, and I wish I could remember who said it, but there was a, there was a, a sort of radio show video going out that sort of hit on the head my feelings about this whole, like, when is USC going to get out there and pay all these players? Which is really funny because left, right, and center, you see Utah fans and everybody else responding to the Dorian Singer news is like, oh, that's USC, but spelled with the dollar sign. Like, there goes USC paying all that money and stuff. And it's like... The fact of the matter is people inside USC are not acting like USC is paying dudes to come. Like, that's not what's happening. USC has a collective plus, which is essentially USC is moving forward with the idea that they are not going to pay players directly. That is not the way that the USC is trying to do. That's why USC fans tried to start the, a collective of their own, because the model that USC has gone And then with, the, the guy died, And right? then the guy died, which, yeah. which ended, ended that pursuit. Um the uh, the collective plus idea is to make earning opportunities available to players, i.e. all the endorsements you can find. We're going to try and find them, give you opportunities, all that kind of stuff. That's where Caleb Williams is making his money. He's making his money by having his access to endorsements through beats and through all those kinds of stuff. But the fact of the matter is that like USC is not just going to take a bag of money and set it down on the table and say, here you know, Tony Grimes or whoever it is, like, yeah, come to USC. That this is not the way it works. USC is going to sell itself the way it has always sold itself with this new adjustment. USC is going to sell itself location. USC is going to sell itself competitiveness. USC is going to sell itself uh, legacy, um, marketing, education, all of the above. And that's that's just not going to change. The difference is while you if you choose to come to come to USC while also taking hold of all the things that USC has recruited itself with in the past, you can also take advantage of their NIL structure, which you can have complaints about the NIL structure all you want, but like that's where the money's coming from. So the, you, you, we've also seen what happens to teams that uh, take the opposite approach, like Texas A&M, where it's just like, 
here, have a million dollars or whatever. And then you end up in a position where they have 25 dudes in the transfer portal because stuff happens. So I would rather USC continue to do the approach they're doing, especially when it comes to transfers where we've been told the number one thing that they're looking for with transfers is, is, is cultural fit. Like, are you a competitor? Do you want to win? Do you want to sort of be at the top of your game? If your number one priority is NIL, I don't think that that ingratiates you to Lincoln Riley and his staff. So take that for what it is. Well, I still think it, it's obviously a huge factor. But um, the, the other thing about NIL is like so many of those endorsement things are just like it's putting it putting you in a position to go sort of get the bag yourself. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, come to SC at where there are going to be endorsement opportunities. Uh, and just it's just gonna be here. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Cameron in uh, Frisco, Texas. Uh, with the Dorian Singer commitment, does this mean the possible smoke? What does this mean about the possible smoke of Marvin Harrison Jr. entering the portal is a hoax? So okay, I I have thoughts on this, Michael. Number one, my instinct is to say yes, absolute hoax, huge giant hoax. Why would anyone believe this? Like outside of wishful thinking, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. It literally makes no sense for Marvin Harrison. Number one, to be thinking this way when he's in the playoff and going to be going out there and trying to win a national championship in a couple of weeks' time, um, that doesn't make any sense to me. That sounds like hogwash. Um, number two is. If it's about wanting to play with Caleb Williams, then sure, Angels Angels in the outfield gif applies here. Like, it could happen. But when it comes down to it, like, Marvin Harrison should be focusing on bigger things right now. And if he's not, then, then I've got questions otherwise. So I'm yeah. not banking on that one. But then again, when I heard the Jordan Addison rumors initially, I thought, yeah, that's a bunch of crock. And then it turned out to be true. So whatever. Yeah, I Ohio State is one of the places you need to be as a wide receiver. So um, yeah, there, there's no, there's no. I, I I will believe that when I see it. Um, Cameron also says, "What are your thoughts on Reggie Bush's IG post on Saturday regarding the NCAA and his treatment towards him?" Uh, Cameron from Hutchins. So if Cameron, if you're referring to the kind of cryptic one he put out there about a cover-up um to me it was just very cryptic and until something more is produced then then i don't know uh unless there's something else that was going on that uh that i missed yeah i i, I didn't see it I, I don't know anything about a cover-up or anything like that i mean um, i i, I think reggie is hypocrisy more than anything right? it's yeah i think reggie is right to have a beef with uh with the NCAA, the NCAA was was ridiculous in their handling of that whole situation. But uh, there's also got to be sort of proof in the pudding. So, Ramirez says, "Do you see Eric Gentry moving to rush end if SC gets more traditional linebackers through the portal?" And it's interesting because USC has mostly been sort of successful in pursuing the rush ends like that's that's who they they got into the final two with josiah stewart they got mm -hmm. uh, muhammad they continued to pursue uh, a couple other guys heavily trace ford being one of them so to me it seems like that's not part of the plan um but also i feel like uh 
with Eric Gendry, there is going to come a time, and it might not be yet. It might, he has several, a couple more years of eligibility. It might not be time yet to to nix the freakish linebacker sort of uh, experiment that they're doing with him. Yeah, but well, there will come a time they're going to have to make a decision on it. And I don't know when that'll be. He's such an awkward tweener in that sense yeah. that I, I don't know where he needs to be. Well, you um, need you need more inside linebackers in order to even make that move. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think just based on team need, I think he's got to stay where he is. Also, like, you still have um, Corey Foreman and like, well, where how are, how's Corey Foreman gonna gonna be moved in, in all these seasons? Yeah, is he just gonna be an end. Like, is he like, gonna be an edge, or are they gonna move him inside? Yeah, That's I, been... I I don't know. And but Corey Foreman a... played, you know, like middle linebacker in high school at one point. So like, it does he get? We saw him drop coverage and imagine... win the UCLA game. Can like, you? I don't know. Like, what's gonna happen? Right? Can you imagine if Corey Foreman was the answer for USC at linebacker? I, oh, hey, it, anything is worth a shot at this point. All, all I know is that Corey Foreman, to me, is mirroring one of the issues that was had with Drake Jackson for much of his career. It's that, like, where does he fit best? Uh, uh, where, like, should he be inside? Should he be outside? Uh, are you getting – do you want him to put on weight? Do you want him to lose weight? Are you going to every different offseason have him change what, what, which direction he's swinging on, on the weight situation – and um, I, I don't know. It, it just – it's hard to say. Drake Jackson has gone to the NFL and, and looks like a future star for the 49ers. So at a, at a more traditional sort of defensive end role, is it a situation where you can't play Corey Foreman as a, as a hybrid? You can't have that front as a hybrid and have him succeed? I think that might be entirely possible. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. A lot, a lot of moving parts for – uh, Alex Grinch to to figure out um, too many questions that I'm glad I don't have to have the answers for. Yeah, uh, Randy says, "How does SC part with players that don't fit their plans? They aren't willing to part with their scholarships or go into the portal. The scholarship math ain't adding up." Um, you have frank conversations with players. I think that's what we've seen from USC. We've seen from schools around the country. That was sort of the discussion around the Deion Sanders uh, video that came out a few weeks ago that like to me just it was a bad look to have in public but you know we've also heard that similar things were said behind closed doors at USC when Lincoln Riley arrived so um, to me you you have those conversations behind closed doors and now with the advent of the transfer portal I think it's uh, it's probably in the best interest of the player too if they're getting you know what was the word that you that, that people used to apply to it? Getting uh, processed, you yeah. processed out, then I, I, go find I th- your next opportunity. I think SC is willing to part with their scholarships, and I think we we've we've seen that. I mean, Raylan Goforth is a prime example. Um, if if SC was not willing to let Raylan Goforth go, they wouldn't. He wouldn't have gone. Yeah, they would have done anything they could have to to keep him. Even if it, even if it, him going is completely on his own accord of like he wants to go and get a fresh new start, they would have done anything that they could to re-recruit him and all of that, right? Like, and and maybe they did, and maybe we just don't know about that. But I think that you know, absolutely, there's been, you know, uh, Julian Simon was one of those guys too, where guys that we think that 
looked, you know, he looked really good in practice. And I think that he's somewhere who, someone who has a future playing college football. Um, but if it's not at SC, then it's not at SC. So I, I think, I think Lincoln Riley is willing and he's going to have to be considering that they, they keep bringing on guys that position of need. Um, and you look at the receiving core. I mean, you keep bringing in dudes. Someone, someone's mm-hmm. going to have to go somewhere. Well, and Just... dudes will also see the writing on the wall. I mean, I think that's what Raylan Goforth had to have thought. Like, right. he must have known or been told or figured out whatever that they were going to target linebackers to replace him. So um, there will always be those guys who cling and hang on for dear life. And it's within their rights because they have a four-year scholarship when they come to USC. But uh, coaches tend to figure these things out. I, that's what I would say. I, I think for a lot of a lot of it, though, that those guys that you could mention who are the, the clinging to their spot, I think, I think for the most part, they were gone when Lincoln Riley came in. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing is, you can only cling so hard if the coach really wants you out. Right. They make it happen. So yeah. That's the dirty, uh, the dirty side of of college football. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people were critical of. You know perennial nice guy clay helton is uh maybe not enough of that was being done i've always said that uh that in order to be a winner at this level you have to be ruthless and my point about pete carroll was always yeah people love fun fun lovey-dovey pete carroll but he was absolutely ruthless and nick saban is ruthless and i think that uh, lincoln riley has shown that his aspirations are to a degree that he's also willing to be ruthless yeah. He wouldn't um, have left Oklahoma if he wasn't. Andrew asks, who's starting in the box as you see now on defense, including transfers to date? Lee, Gentry, and who? Uh, so, Lee, Gentry, and best case scenario, Tackett Curtis, uh, Tuas even Amora in a lesser, best, lesser desired scenario. I, I, so if, if we're doing. Uh, the everybody but the secondary on defense. I think until he says he's not coming back, then Thule is a defensive end. Your your defensive tackle um, it's got to be uh, the uh, buyers from bars from Arizona. Yeah, or yeah, and then your no nose tackle. You sort of have to stick with Stanley. Taufu, unless you add... No, I think Bars could be that guy, right? He he played nose in Arizona. I think if you're going out to get him, it's because you think he can start. Okay, so then your DT is one of Tyrone Teleni, Dijon Benton... Probably Teleni being the, the guy who really came on at the end of the year. Yeah? Yeah. Um, And then your your linebackers are... Gentry and Lee until Tackett Curtis can do something, and maybe we're putting too much pressure uh, no, on, best ca- on Tackett Curtis. I, I changed my mind. Best okay. case scenario is Shane Lee, Eric Gentry, and Rajon Davis making a move up the up the depth chart. Um, Rajon Davis living up to his talent uh, would be the best possible thing for USC's defense next year, because then you take the pressure off of Tackett Curtis to be great immediately. Um, which I think is unfair to any true freshman coming in and, and transitioning. Um, and then if like Rajon Davis is sl- sort of slowly able to 
take over a starting role next to an Eric Gentry that that is working out in that position and healthy with Shane Lee slowly but surely becoming the third option instead, then I think you got to feel pretty good. The problem is, is that we spent this entire season saying, well, where's Rajon Davis? Where's Rajon Davis? And it just never happened. So banking on it at this point, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, if we're talking dream scenarios with transfers, you get Mason Cobb and then he is your, your, you sort of have a oh uh, Carson Tabarachi though is also going to be a guy, a guy who sort of we overlooked because he was injured all year, um, but maybe he comes up and 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 does some damage. But yeah, if you've got uh, Gentry Lee and and Mason Cobb, and then you've got Rajon Davis and and Tabarachi and and maybe another sort of wild card guy coming in and being able to contribute, you feel a lot better about that unit. The the problem is like the sure things involved in that unit are very minimal. Yeah, I, your surest thing is Shane, is is Eric Gentry, and he's not even a sure thing. Right, well, we're not even sure he can play the position. This is this is the frustrating part for me to like just it's just understanding the Alex Grinch defense. Part of this is that they just don't release the depth chart every week, um, and it, I think it's made it you know a little bit harder to track. And there's just been so many different packages that they they ran as as the year went on. Uh, so many guys and. Part of it is you end up with this fluctuation of eligibility too, that it makes it difficult to figure out. Like, you know, we don't know what the status of of Joey uh, Peloto, right? We we assume that that uh, that Peely is gone. We assume, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that plays a, a huge role here. You don't know what's going to really go on with with the rush end position or how Kyle Ford, uh, Kyle Ford, uh, um. Corey Foreman. It's Corey gonna Foreman, be, uh, yeah. You know, work. Well, again, there. again, things, things that if you want to like build a dream scenario for USC next year, it's Corey Foreman having the the sort of just I, awakening moment. I think it's Corey Foreman taking the big step forward. It's Taggett Curtis being a like plug a, and play a, guy from day being one. Being Matt Grudegood on and day one, and I think it's Damani Jackson being healthy and and being, being the guy at, yeah. at, at corner. Yeah. Yes. Uh, can we just go through the linebackers real quick that uh, we expect to be on the roster for sure, USC for in the coming year? Expect in very small letters that we cannot verify. Um, Rajon Davis, Eric Gentry, Chris Thompson, Carson Tavarachi, Garrison Madden, the the super quick freshman from this past year that I believe was also injured, to even Nomura, Shane Lee, and Eric Gentry. And Eric Gentry. That's yeah. said. And a transfer or two. Well, there's uh, Muhammad and, coming in. And if you consider a rush end a linebacker I, or not. Yeah. I'm just classifying those guys separately. I'm, I'm thinking the two inside linebacker positions, the Mike and the Will. Who's going to play the Mike and the Will? Um, because the, the rush end will figure itself out. It's so, sort of the way that I'm. Yeah, that I'm I'm thinking of it, but and then yeah, you've got uh, you've got Tackus Tackett Curtis coming in, and then is there any and other where linebacker? Does he slide? Is he a Mike or is he a Will? My my immediate guess would be Will, to be honest, but yeah. uh, but also it's very difficult to to predict that kind of thing with with high school guys who right. were playing like you know, who were playing like hybrid go out and be the best defender on the field kind of positions like Tackett Curtis was like was he a safety was he a linebacker was he just a 
Tackett Curtis. Like Tackett Curtis is playing the position that like ideally he's you'd... playing the Tackett Curtis. He's playing the Tackett Curtis. He's <laughs> he's playing the Talano Hafanga where it's like you're so much better than everyone else. Just go out and make plays right. wherever the heck you need to to make plays from. Also known as the uh, Troy Polamalu, the Troy Polamalu, the David yeah. Gibson, yeah, another David Gibson, another pre Alicia guy, yeah. Uh, USC Football for Life says USC should be looking at uh, Steel from Ball State anywhere if they have interest. Be a shame; he's a beast. Um, uh, uh, he with, with with transfer portal stuff. I think it's so hard to like all these dudes could be somebody, right? Yeah, uh, I believe Carson Steele from Ball State is on USC's radar, uh, according to Gerard Martinez. But I don't know if he was one of the guys who visited this past weekend. You know, so. I went to Ball State, right? Because he can ball. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, Randy says, uh, have you heard rumors of players leaving Ohio State after the playoffs? Uh, again, we we talked about that with with Harrison. I, I, will I wouldn't hold your breath. That when I see it, yeah. guys, I just don't see. Randy says, "Do you think the players coming in the 2023 cycle will have as much as an impact as the ones that came in 2022, uh, and how much of an impact and how much belief could could that help SC going forward?" Um, it's going to be hard to match the impact of someone like Caleb Williams when you have Caleb Williams yes. coming back, but. Uh, beyond like i don't think it's possible considering the change that sc had like um in terms of like you the sc brought had to bring in so many transfers last year i don't think they're ever going to get to that point where they rely on as many transfers in a single year again does that make sense yes so yeah i i, I wouldn't wouldn't hold my breath. Alex says, with uh, Dante Moore committing to UCLA, do you think that an arms race is developing between the two schools? I think the arms race has certainly always wanted to be there, but this is still SC. And given the way that Chip Kelly has a love-hate relationship with recruiting, I don't, I don't think you can say that the arms race has been there. If the arms race was going to be there, then UCLA would have done their job to take care of business when SC had that five-year period where they didn't care about recruiting at the top level or they maybe they didn't not that they didn't care but they didn't recruit at the top level that they should have been UCLA never did anything in the last decade to take a step forward to recruit they, they never made made uh good on SC sanctions uh they never made good on that one year that SC was like the worst class in the Pac-12 UCLA's class didn't do anything to make up for that so no, I, I think that in, there will be an arms race when I see it. To it, I need to see it to believe it. Yeah, yeah. signing a, a, a high end quarterback to me is, doesn't do it. There's well, only it, so many quarterbacks. It's not like UCLA hasn't done that before. Signing a high end quarterback when USC also signed a high end quarterback. They did it with um, Rosen. With Rosen, DTR uh, was DTR. a highly ranked guy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they got DTR in, in 1874, but which has been a while since yeah since then but all right um kenny says uh michael what's your jim carrey take you guys don't want to hear it i i you just hearing you say that means i don't want to hear it nope yeah my jim carrey take is i tend to enjoy his movies <laughs> liar liar is amazing oh god 
I I liked the mask when I was like six. The the pen is blue is still one of my favorite all time scenes of comedy. I don't think there's another the Jim Carrey movie that I the pen that I'm holding in my hand is uh, Ace Ventura terrible, terrible, utterly just. I don't think that movie uh, ages particularly well, but also it, the second Ace Ventura, another one of my favorite all-time comedic scenes, where he's crawling out the the mechanical rhino, <laughs> and the kid thinks he's giving birth. <laughs> oh, classic. See, when you're someone like me who has a high standard uh, for yeah. comedy, yeah. like we're talking Curb, Seinfeld. And Veep. Veep. Like everything else, it when it's just not good. Sorry. Jim Carrey. Not not funny. There's a, there's another, you know, famous, you know, comedic actor of our childhood. I swear to God, if you slander Robin Williams right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you. Alright, that'll end the podcast. <laughs> Uh, Glenn says, what do I think of uh, your, your new haircut? It's good. It's great. Yeah. Big fan. All right. We're out of yeah. here. A lot lighter. Nice to not have a whole mane of hair. We'll see. We'll be back to, uh, Thursday to talk about the new signing day and all that stuff. So until then, we will see you. See you.